women travel has raised many eyebrows in the past so many doubts so many concerns about safety and not so interesting conversations at this season of growing travel shots we are raising conversations that are going to be progressive giving hope making women feel included make them feel happy empowered and through these conversations we envision nothing but inspiration hi i'm your host zina goshi the founder of the flap life an organization that curates solo journeys for women in india this season i'm talking to women in travel and tourism who have found creative ways of chasing and achieving their dreams of travel and creating their mark in the tourism industry you will hear candid and unedited conversations about their experiences and some secrets of the industry too through the stories shared we wish many women take the plunge to wonder and not to wonder how Hello everyone welcome to Growing Travel Shots uh season 3 we are very very excited for today's episode so today we have lovely Prachi Thakur who is a TEDx speaker and diversity trainer who focuses on building inclusive workspaces for women in the tourism and hospitality industry using training as her tool prachi has been actively working with tourism and hospitality staff and equipping them with inclusive skills and competencies She frequently engages with a global audience via different mediums including lectures at international universities podcast and articles. She is a sought after speaker and has been invited to multiple international conferences including UNWTO's regional conference on the empowerment of women in tourism in Asia and the Pacific and to share her views on women in the tourism industry. So without any further delay let's welcome Prachi and uh, let's see what we have in store today uh, from this conversation. Yes. Hello Prachi, welcome to Brewing Travel Shorts season 3. Thank you so much Zinal, I'm so glad to be here. Great Prachi, while we know each other and we worked with each other briefly uh so but today I want the whole listeners like all the listeners of TFL want to know more about your work that you're doing so tell us more about yourself and your journey towards diversity in tourism and of course your role with uh, world women tourism thank you so much uh, i am prachi i am a diversity trainer strategist what i do is i coach people how to be more inclusive and mindful of women in their environment so most of my work has revolved around giving diversity training to uh, you know executives leaders students alike and making spaces for empowered women in uh, travel and tourism and wider industries as well at world women tourism i am working as a diversity strategist and all i uh, all the roles i take into this hat revolve around inclusion so that is it awesome so prati i have a question here what made you start with diversity i'm sure it doesn't come easily in somebody's uh, in somebody's mind because diversity is not honestly like a a stream that people directly get into so <laughs> what made you start with diversity you want to you want to throw some light on how did that thought come and maybe there's an experience around it Sure, sure, sure. Yes, there was actually experience around it, not a good one. So I was uh, in uh, Varanasi uh, early in my masters, and I was, uh, you know, alone. I was waiting for uh, my cab to arrive because I had to go meet a friend. The hotel receptionist made a very 
horrible, like extremely horrible remark on me, which shook my core on why he would make that comment. As Asian women, uh, you know, we are fed that no matter what goes wrong, you are responsible for it. So I also thought that maybe I'm responsible for what happened. But that question of whether I was responsible for the situation or not led me to talk to other women travelers and if they have had similar experiences by any chance. Turned out most of them had similar experiences, like have had similar experiences. And it wasn't a good thing to know. Because at the end of the day, I think women travel to, or anyone travels for that matter, anyone travels to experience freedom and, you know, to like when we say like a little phony and we want to soak in the energy, we want to enjoy things and, uh, you know, and all those things. But when these experiences happen, people call you out and uh, on things which are not true, people calling you sex workers, people calling you like um, a beautiful words which you don't want to really associate yourself right. with. It's not good. It ruins your experience. That is the situation that brought me in the diversity uh, work. That, okay, why is it happening? Why are people assuming that if a girl has tattoos, if a girl has piercings, maybe she's going out at night, that she's a sex worker? Why is yeah. it that like there is so less understanding about, uh, you know, solo female travelers in particular in tourism? Because, you know, tourism is an industry, it like hugs everyone equally. But the people in the industry are not really doing so. So why are they not doing so is a question that brought me in the industry. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 so glad that you shared this because I think most of the women, and I mean, obviously that's that's how TFL also came into the picture that we all go through some kind of judgments somewhere, oh, right? Like oh. that that's like a daily thing for us where people are judging us, people are having perceptions on women because... Okay, if a woman is traveling late night, okay, she she's available, you know? These yeah, kind yes. of unfortunately, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. unfortunately, and they wouldn't know that, okay, maybe there could be a situation, maybe there's, there's just, I mean, I'm just normally going and meeting. So obviously yeah. the freedom definitely makes a huge difference. And I completely yeah. agree from a travel perspective because we go out to feel liberated. And if we yeah. feel caged, then what's the point? I mean, what's yeah. the point of even yeah, traveling? Exactly. What's right? the point? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. right. And but I'm glad that you 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 made this uh you know your experience, the bad experience you had and to purpose because I've seen your work and how much you are uh talking about it Thank loud you. everywhere, you. which is very, very inspiring, Prachi. So thank you so you much. You spoke about something on inclusive tourism. So mm -hmm. how do how do you define inclusive tourism and what difference it makes in the industry? I'll begin with the reverse. By the way, this is an amazing question and I'll answer it in the reverse. What okay. difference does it make? It makes all the difference. And how do I define inclusive tourism is creating a space in your organization where your you know, internal stakeholders, which are your employees, people who work with you, and your external stakeholders who are your customers, maybe your reviewers and all those people are free to be. That's it. You don't make judgments on whom they're coming with. You don't make judgments on how they're looking like. You don't know. You don't make judgments on what they're sounding like. You don't make judgments on why their hair is purple. You don't make judgments on, you know, anything about them. You let them be. That's what inclusive tourism means for me. The creation of a space where people are allowed to be. That's, that's it. That's it. 
Yeah. So so basically it means that a non-judgmental environment. Yeah. Yeah. Just just don't and let the person be. Yeah. So I think it just reminds me of a quote, live and let live. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it means. Uh, yeah, be right? and let be. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally. I think, but that's so much required. Like, I think uh, as we women, we are always kind of told what to do, yeah. right? Yes. Without even understanding that the women is of the same age group, same age, but still they need the, uh, I mean, they feel the need to kind of say it that, okay, you need to do this, yeah. right? Yes. Which is not yes. required at all. So, 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 but then glad that I think uh, we are talking about inclusive tourism and obviously not from a perspective only from uh, travel, but you are making a difference in corporates as well. So, Praji, you have been doing your PhD in uh, diversity tourism, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. It's correct? diversity training, but yes. Diversity training, right. Yes, yes. So, in your research experiences, uh, especially from a safety uh, perspective, what has still call of concern for them in the emerging travel age? What, what do you think is still going to be a concern in future for women? Just let's take an example of India. I think, uh, you know, uh, coming from a research background and the amount of uh, conversations I've done, the number of women I have talked to and men. It's like sometimes people think that since I'm doing my research on, you know, diversity training or, you know, focusing on talking a lot about women in travel, I don't talk to men. It's not there. I talk to men as well because after all, the spaces women are going to walk into, it's not made of only women. We are not playing Mahila Mandali here. It's it's an open <laughs> space and, you know, men are going to be there. So to understand what features and what factors determine how you know, women feel safe in India, especially. Uh, I think we have done a lot. Like, I mean, I want to start on a good note because after all, it's getting criticism later. So we have done a lot. Like there are so much uh, what I have noticed in past five years of my own travel journey. The number of hostels that allow women to stay in women-only accommodations, women-only rooms or kind of thing. So that has increased a lot, which really, really matters when it comes to ensuring safety of women who are traveling alone. So that is one of the good things. The connectivity has become so much better. Digitization, we all know India is leading digitization right now. So these are some of the things that have become better. What has gone worse is the singling of experiences. So recently, I have started noticing that whenever women go online or maybe share her experience with people like me who are collecting or journaling these experiences, right? let's say they say that they had a bad experience. right? Instead of acknowledging that the experience might have been bad, that, okay, yeah, you had a bad experience, I'm sorry. Most of the people I come across kind of single it out. Oh, it doesn't usually happen. Oh, it must yeah. have been just her. Oh, must have been a single experience. No, no. So I can't really talk to everyone and argue with everyone and tell them that, you know what, it is happening with women across the world. It is happening with a lot of women. But singling out of experiences it has increased in recent times, which is a bad thing. And why I'm saying is that the more we decide to call women out on, you know, the experiences that, okay, maybe you are the only one having the experience the more we'll get blindsided about the problems we have in the industry. As I say that we have made a lot of progress, things are so much better, but we have a lot to do. And these singling out of experiences do not help at all. 
these make us uh, live in a what you say utopian world that oh my god we are doing so much good so how can she have a bad experience we are doing good mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that everyone is feeling that good factor so i think that is a con- subject of concern uh, going ahead that uh, we need to acknowledge that even though we have done a lot there is still a lot to do so yeah. i think that is one thing uh, we need to really talk about right i also feel that maybe uh, you know there's no other way that people that's the only logical reaction they can give because they don't know what to do with that reaction right like I singling agree. out is the only thing that okay now uh, if it comes in front of me i don't know how to react so okay let me just say okay this is just one off true you true, know true, true. yeah and i guess that that's what uh, I, i've seen it happening uh, you know i i completely agree with you that it's happening a lot uh, because maybe they just take a generic perspective but it is not true because every individual has their own story and every in- individual has their own experiences so mm-hmm. which ca- cannot be singled out completely mm-hmm. agree on that mm-hmm. so but yeah i guess i hope uh, uh, you know we will have to maybe take our thoughts to the next level and start solving these kind of problems as well most definitely yeah so what challenges do you see in women leading and taking multiple responsibilities in travel and tourism industry what do you think is there a strategy to help more women uh, to have more powerful roles i would say more of leadership roles in tourism and hospitality which i see not happening i mean in the sense that we've yeah. spoken it multiple times <laughs> yes. and we we still see women at uh, uh, you know uh, a different level of job categories and they don't find themselves yes. uh, in that promoted uh, arena but what do you think can work out i i want to before i answer that question zinal which is amazing i want to pull out experience which is extremely recent so what okay. happened that i was invited to bangalore uh, in a university to deliver a workshop on inclusion so after i had delivered that workshop i was sitting in a panel discussion not surprisingly the panel discussion was of all men so what happened that uh, you know they were talking all the men two of them were academics and two of them were industry person and one was a moderator so they were talking about a lot of things that okay we are doing blah 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 in sustainability and all those good things good things so i asked them a question that uh, okay you are, you said that you know yeah, you are doing a lot for women and the community and all yeah, those you know, how how are you ensuring that the benefits you are talking about is actually reaching the women and children because you know while working on the UNWTO report we recognized that we say that we are taking efforts for women we say that we have you know programs for women we say that we have finances for women but what happens is that women stay on paper in reality so less number of women actually get that benefit so let's say we have finance programs that i'll send you that okay zinal this is like let's say 10000 rupees for your entrepreneurship what will traditionally happen is that your male guardian whoever is in family will take that money do things and you'll be like oh yeah i got 10000 rupees but you don't know what happened to that 10000 rupees so there is lack of uh, you know utilization so when i asked that question before anyone could answer one male academic said that prachi i want you to turn around and see in the room how many women are there and he kind of mocked me because i had asked about okay why not women or where are women in the yeah. room and all those things but 
the fun thing happened that one of the colleagues, uh, her name is Pinaz, and I want to take her name today. So Pinaz stood up and said that, sir, I want you to take a look beside you on the stage. Women are always in the audience. But do you see a woman on the stage? And Zenal, I can't tell you how empowering it felt that someone took space to say yes. that women are not in leadership roles, even on a panel discussion. And I'm sure you are not surprised because, you know, we are seeing manners everywhere again. Yes. So coming back to answering the question of uh, women leading and taking multiple responsibilities, I think there are three strategies women need to adopt to take these powerful roles and uh, multiple responsibilities uh, because we have definitely a lack of uh, women leaders. The first is to be visible, especially Asian women, because we are continuously taught that, oh, don't talk loud, don't take space, don't take credit for your work. You know, your work should speak for yourself. No, you should talk about your work. You should let people know how much it took to be where you are. So being visible in, uh, you know, delivery, being visible in taking credit, being visible in taking uh, steps to advance is really, really critical for women, especially if they want to, you know, advance in their career or become a leader. The second is to take space. Becoming visible is not going to be useful if we are not taking space or if you are not taking space. Let's say that, you know, there are, there is a, it's not uncommon that we walk into rooms and we realize that we are only women there. It's, it's not yes. uncommon at all. But then if someone cuts our sentence and we just shut there, we don't take space and com complete our sentence after they have completed or remind them that, okay, you know what? Maybe you cut your sentence. Can I complete? Because sometimes I do realize that people think taking space means being rude when it is not so. You can be very extremely humbling and polite and take space. You can tell them, okay, you know what? Why do you have excellent point? Why don't you like complete after I have completed my sentence you can't take space and it is necessary if you want people to look at you as a leader and the third is learn to walk out of your comfort zone more often because sometimes I think women we are like let's say we reach at you must have seen research which talks about a large number of women turn to stagnate at a leadership level they're like okay I become this now it's good I can't take or I shouldn't take more responsibility than this while it is a personal choice for some, sometimes it also comes from the comfort that women get in taking that, uh, you know, uh, role. So I think women should be more risk takers. One more reason why I think women take less risks is because of the criticism that comes on women. In my recent TEDx talk, I talk about the same thing, that if a man makes a mistake and if a woman makes a mistake, same probably it's higher chances that women will be punished more, more often and in a more, you know, better degree, I mean, worse degree than a man. They'll be like, okay, penalized. Oh my God, why did you do this? You should have thought it through, blah, 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 blah. It will be so big of a deal in comparison to when a man makes a mistake. They'll be like, oh my God, it happens. Maybe we'll make the better decision next time. So, you know, the degree of punishment in case of women and men is so much different. And I think that kind of makes women more risk averse that, oh, my God, I don't want to walk out of comfort zone. I mean, what if things go wrong? And I think that is why women leaders stagnate a lot that, OK, they are like, OK, I have 
reached it here, made it till here. I don't want to take more risks because people will criticize me or what will people think and all those things. But I think walking out of comfort zone often is one of the ways women can lead better and become a role model that, okay, you know what? I took risk. Look at me. I am succeeding. Or maybe if I'm failing, I'll succeed tomorrow. Failing shouldn't be that big of a deal, honestly. But yeah, these are the three strategies. I mean, being visible, taking space, and learning to walk out of comfort zone more often. Absolutely. I think I uh, love the, uh, you know, the takeaways and I want, I mean, it's not actually limiting only to travel and tourism industry. I think any industry, this should be the takeaways. I think I, I want to add one more thing uh, to it, Prachi, especially when you said about women um, should obviously take more risk of their comfort zone and why they don't take it is also because of the responsibilities, the burden responsibilities that they have it's definitely not between men and women. We definitely. all know that. Agree, agree. We've seen so many, and I think with that burden, many times, you know, it is said, like, I'm not defining a, a particular problem, but we've seen it that, okay, now you have a child, Yeah. you should get back in your career because yeah. you have an XYZ responsibility. And I'm like, why should it be? You know, let yeah. this to take the responsibility of everything together great let her take it but don't mm -hmm. it because it's end of it her choice many yeah. times it, I, I have seen so many people saying this uh you know in in family friends acquaintance circle that okay because your husband's career has to move and he has to travel and he has to do maybe back home you should take this responsibility extra so maybe you you take a part-time work or you probably take some freelance work or so. And I, so many women have quit their jobs because of it, even if they are the best in doing so. So, uh, and this majorly happens in leadership positions. So obviously, and that is one more reason why women always step back and uh, they always stay in their comfort zones. I agree. I agree. I agree. And that is what I told you, right? That sometimes their choice that, okay, yeah, uh, you know, the responsibilities or, uh, you know, the unequal responsibility, should I say, that uh, it forces them to make choices like that. So definitely, most definitely, that is the case. Yes. So, Prati, you have been doing a lot of diversity uh, and training initiatives for creating space for women, travel stakeholders specifically. You want to tell us more about that? How is it helping? Uh, have you seen any change after the training programs, especially from a corporate perspective? Uh, thank you so much for this question, Zinal. So close to my heart. And uh, yes, I mean, uh, one thing is that when people ask me whether I've seen a change or not, sometimes I think that I can say yes to this question because a lot of people come back to tell me, you know, to write recommendations for my LinkedIn or to drop me a text personally that, you know, I experienced this, well, you know, situation and I was able to handle it better because of the diversity training I took. But it is also more about sowing seeds of change. You know, diversity and inclusion, I believe that the way we are functioning right now, especially in corporate, did not happen overnight. The prejudices we are functioning with, the stereotypes we have about women or how women should be, these are these have trickled down to our generation or maybe even the generation which is in workforce from hundreds of years 
it didn't happen overnight. We didn't wake up tomorrow knowing that, okay, a woman should, should talk less or maybe smile less, um, you know, like smile with her teeth in or maybe sit cross-legged all these things. These prejudices and stereotypes which have been fed in our mind has taken a long time to brew. So what happens in diversity training initiatives, especially the ones which I deliver, I don't focus on creating immediate change, but rather sow the seeds of inclusion. That instead of complying with an initiative at your workplace, which might be biased, you'll think, why is this this way? For example, let's say that uh, workplace I was at, they had a uniform policy that they will not allow women to work in the night. And it was worded as that, okay, women are, uh, you know, expected to take day shifts. I mean, I understand that it came from a, a place of concern that, okay, yeah, maybe women are not safe at night. Maybe they'll have challenges in finding uh, travel and all those things. But if you look at it minutely, it is giving rise to a bias that women are not fit for working in the night because they need extra protection or because, you know, there are challenges with hiring them. This also decreases their chance of getting hired if the position is asking for a night role. So we are actually propagating bias in this situation. So rather than uh, you know, making policies like this and complying with these policies, if I give a diversity training and the discussion we had at that place, I was like, why don't you ask them? That why don't you ask the people who are working in the night roles? Why is it that only men are working? And let's take the answers and see if the answers are filled with prejudices, stereotypes, or their genuine positive concerns. And I wasn't surprised to find that, okay, the answers were full of bias and often sounded sexist. So, yeah, I mean, it is about creating a change, but a long-term change. But I'm happy that, okay, uh, the people who are coming back after the training have often positive and kind reviews for me so i think things are heading in a very right direction great i want to add another question here uh, yeah. for you actually from a diversity training uh, initiatives that do you think that the men mindset is changing like do you think that women of course they would always want more things for themselves and in a more But apart from the corporate top management, do you think the people you train in terms of, uh, you know, the men audience that you would have, do you think their mindset is changing and they would come back to you and talk to you about that? Okay, I never thought about it. I never, never saw it in this manner. Does that happen? I love this question, Zenal, because. I think this question makes me happy because I answer positively to this question. Yes, that's the best indicator of change that is happening is that men are talking about inclusion so much more than I expected. When I started three years ago, I was not really ready to uh, see this high number. I knew that, okay, yeah, men are changing because, you know, they are talking about things and they are knowing things and they have sisters and girlfriends who they see struggling sometimes. But the number of men talking about spaces, creation, you know, creating spaces for women is so incredible. I'll give you an example of the workshop I mentioned earlier. In the Bangalore, I was invited to deliver this diversity training workshop. Yeah. 
And then this discussion popped out when I asked audience a question that, okay, uh, you know, about periods and the cultural traditions associated with periods. Zenon, right. the room was filled with so many incredible men who stood up, shared their experiences of how their sisters or their mothers or, you know, people they have uh, or their cousins or people they have seen suffer from these cultural barriers related to periods. I was not ready for it. I mean, so many men talking about periods, their experiences with women dealing with periods. It was absolutely wonderful. And this is what is optimistic, I'd say, that men are leading the change. And it's, it's, it's optimistic for all of us. It's optimistic. Absolutely. This makes me really very happy. So yeah. because I think, you know, um, you know, the change for women is not going to be only for uh, where women have to lead. I think even men have to lead. And yes. I think if men understand that and if they are supportive, I think we've like, the, you know, the change has already started. Yes, for all of us. I agree. And I, I think agree. that's that's a big achievement for sure. I think I will also share another experience here that, you know, initially when Women Travel started and TFL started, we obviously, we we still majorly get a lot of women who call for solo women travel trips. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I get a lot of calls from, from husbands, from the fathers mm-hmm. and from the brothers and from mm-hmm. even, even a son mm-hmm. where he would call and say, I want to book a holiday for my mother, you know, yeah. and I want to gift this wow. holiday for her. I have so many wow. husbands who plan these surprise solo women travels uh, for their wives. Wow, and uh, that's amazing. And that's exactly what the change is, where yes. they understand the need for women to go out, be herself, and, and they're not worried, you know, in the sense they yeah. want to give her that space. So, yes, the change has definitely started. Of course, a lot, yes. lots to go uh, and for the progress, but it feels good that, okay, we can see that light coming out yeah. yes, from the yes, darkness yes. Mm-hmm. yeah yes okay great so so Prachi, the next question is going to be even more interesting uh obviously there are a lot many women running homestays and needing experiential travel companies like the flap alive uh-huh. uh hold on i just I, I think there's something went wrong uh you can hear me right Yes, 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 I can. Can you hear me? Okay, sorry. I'll I'll redo this whole thing. Okay, okay so Prachi, I have this one more very interesting uh, question for you, like with more women running homestays, leading experiential travels, like what the TFL does, mm-hmm. and obviously your contribution to women uh, in tourism report in UNWTO. What pol- policies should we bring to have more women in tourism, leading and living experiences both? How do we Thank take it to so- the next level? Thank you so much, Zinal. This is actually a wonderful question and a very uh, practical question, I'd say. Uh, after working with the uh, you know UNWTO for the report and after going through a lot of data in that process, I realized that three policies need to be like, if not immediately, in near future, it needs to be worked out. The first is about the finances. You know, as you mentioned that more uh, so many women are running homestays and all, that's the thing. They are just running homestays. When you look at the data minutely, as I mentioned earlier as well, that women tend to get involved in roles which are a projection of their domestic roles. So, for example, if uh, a homestay is run, uh, you know, run by a woman, 
most of the times the finances of that homestay will be run by men or their male guardians yes. that's true yeah yes and that is eventually keeping women back in their traditional roles of you know cooking cleaning taking care of house you're just doing it professionally now not getting paid for it so in you know intervention in terms of finances and ensuring that women have skills and the capacity to manage the finances is really really critical so i think the first policy we need that we need training programs which equip not women to run homestays or you know business operations cool and nice that is always required but what is now required is to equip these women with business skills of how to do negotiations who to score things from and who they want to make their stakeholders because these decisions outside these homestays and airbnbs are often taken by men which leaves right. women to homes so they are working but if you look minutely they are not working they're just doing what they were doing in home professionally now so they don't know where things are coming from let's say if i'm running a kitchen my husband will go out and buy things for me and i'm just there cooking in kitchen but i am running the kitchen i am the face of the kitchen but i don't know how the kitchen runs except of what i am cooking i don't know right. whether you know my um, husband where does he you know get the vegetables from or whether he's getting it from you know one person or you know like business decisions operations right so it is required that women are skilled with business operations that okay stakeholders negotiations businesses finances banking and all of those things and you know coming to mm-hmm. banking that's the second point women need to know and women need to be upskilled with how to do these financial transactions because you know in countries like japan and indonesia more than 70% of the homestays and these small uh, tourism organizations are run by women but if you look at the financial structure the banking structures they don't know how to operate a atm exactly yeah and which is creating this financial disparity because even though they are putting in a lot of labor they cannot manage the benefits of it because they don't have the financial decision making power so th- that is the second policy we need to equip women with financial skills and banking skills in particular and the third thing is that they need to be taught visibility and i am using the word taught instead of trained because i think you can train someone when they have the basics sorted out that okay you know what like you need to be visible so i am entrepreneur already maybe i know i'm i'm a uh, you know out there in this space i know four people i know networking so i can be trained to become better but what if i don't know the abc that's Then right i need to be taught i need to be fed like spoon fed so especially in asia i realized that the number of women going in networking event or the number of women who participate in even like local networking is so low which means they are not visible in the business world and in travel and tourism we know one thing for sure what you see is what you buy absolutely you don't see yeah. you don't buy so let's say the flapper life what what will happen to flapper life if you don't advertise if you don't put out the stories if you don't make these podcast episodes what will happen you'll get so much less business exactly. because it will completely be dependent on word of mouth 
So this is one of the most limiting factors on, you know, these women who are running homestays, Airbnbs, kitchens, and all of those things. They are doing incredible work, but they are not visible. So this is our responsibility as policymakers to enhance and teach them how to be visible. So these are yeah. three things, uh, you know, policies we need to bring in, you know, the upskilling of uh, business operations and the banking skills, the transfer of banking skills. And third is how to be visible. Right. I think, uh, you know, I, I love what you said about, you know, women really, while they're putting all the hard work off mm -hmm. to be on the USP of whatever work they are doing. So you spoke mm -hmm. about the kitchen. So she's cooking, she's doing everything. She's running the kitchen, literally. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't know the background in the sense that she doesn't know probably where the finance is coming from, how to manage that finance, how to probably where those vegetables are coming from. I mean, I, I had this similar experience and I will share this probably, mm -hmm. um, you know, for the benefit of all that. I, I met somebody who uh, who was into a business of probably uh, packaging okay. and she basically run all she she was running the entire operations and of course the business was between husband and wife yeah. and uh, obviously when there was a question asked in finance or there was a question on asked on uh, other nitty-gritties of the business she said listen I manage only the operations I really don't know what's happening yeah. around it. I have no knowledge onto it and that was shocking, right? Of course, I can imagine. Because many a times I see, uh, you know, family business especially, they do take help in terms of uh, obviously that, okay, you can run this or you can probably do this, but they don't get, even in family, they don't get larger uh, positions to kind mm -hmm. of take those decisions. And which oh. I think is not correct because ideally it should be equal partnership because end of it, you know, it's your mm -hmm. own business. Yes. So yeah, I... I, I guess women entrepreneurs, I, I wait for that day when we will call only entrepreneurs or only founders and we will not have the tag of women attached to it. Oh, because I wish. In a way, you're sympathizing it. Yes. Honestly. Agree. Agree. That, I agree. Okay, that women word, which is a powerful word, is at times becoming a sympathy word, which is not okay. Mm -hmm. Because ideally, it should just be entrepreneurs, men, women, who cares? Let yes. anybody be. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Amen yeah. to the the hope. And uh, I'm sure, you know, Zenal, that we are not far away from that time, for sure. Absolutely. But we are yeah. at a distance. That is also a reality. We are not right. that far, yeah. but we are far. And that's exactly the reason why we need to keep having these talks because it's more about pushing it harder and taking it to the next level. True. Because I, uh, uh, I, I re remember the days when we we still do it. A lot of people do it that, okay, this is a women founder. Yeah. Or this is a oh, tell or me. Or we have <laughs> women in leadership. Yes. You know, these are heavy. Then I think we should just say that, okay, meet so-and-so. She is our leadership champion. That's it. That's it, what yes. What do we mean about saying in that? So, yeah, so yeah I, I guess um, uh, time is, of course, we are not too far off from it. But yeah, we, we need to keep challenging those, uh, uh, you know, times and keep moving forward. And I think um, it, it is lovely, uh, the work that you're doing, Prachi, because obviously you are taking it actually to the next level by training people and obviously it all starts with training and it all starts with awareness so more minds are aware more change is likely to happen 
Thank you so much, Zinal. You're extremely kind with your words and I'm so floored. <laughs> Thank you so much. See, so you should be floored with your work. I'm telling you, <laughs> genuinely good Thank work. You. And you see that happening. I mean, obviously, the you know, the stuff that you've spoken and the conversation we've had, we see that change. And honestly, this conversation is making me really very happy that, okay, the effort is not going waste. Yes. You know, yes, the, the efforts somewhere, of course, maybe the impact is little, but that little can be big someday and it will become. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Zinal. I, I really hope so. And uh, this is one of the things that keeps me going is that uh, there are a lot of times uh, people ask me in my trainings that uh, why do I have an open door policy? So when I do a training or a workshop for a small or large audience, my trainings are always open door that if you are not comfortable, if you don't want to stay in the room, you are completely free to go out. But right. uh, so in last session, one of the, uh, you know, participants asked me, why do you have that? And don't you feel uncomfortable when someone walks out that maybe you're not doing a good job? I said, no, I don't feel that because these conversations that I'm doing, I know that it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's Absolutely. definitely not everyone's cup of tea. But I'm so sure that the 5% out of 100 which decide to stay are going to change the conversation for the rest of us. And I'm holding on my hope, faith for the five that remain. So um, I'm, I'm putting the work for sure. And I really, really hope that it has a good outcome because things are getting optimistic. Questions are becoming better. Men are participating. And I think as a trainer, I don't really need anything more. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I think, uh, uh, you know, it is changing and uh, it will change for sure because uh, you are genuinely putting good work. So best wishes to you, Prachi, for, for you so much. And we hope you change more lives uh, and you create more opportunities <laughs> for women in tourism. Thank and, you so uh, much, Zina. Our parts again because we will be working on few things next year in 2023. So, yes. Thank you for doing this conversation. Thank you for inspiring our listeners. And uh, we look forward to connect with you again. Thank you so much, Zinal. Thank you so much for having me.